before we get rolling here on a Monday and break down everything that happened on Saturday in Penn State's 27-24 loss at Michigan State, I want to take you back to March. Story time. I was sitting in the office of offensive line coach Matt Limegrover, going over, of course, what else but his offensive line, and I asked two questions. First one was, how are things going? And beyond the normal pleasantries that you have, he told me, well, right now we can't block Kevin Givens. And while Kevin Givens is a good player, every team in the Big Ten has a Kevin Givens, so this is going to be a problem when we see teams that have more of him or players better than Kevin. Second of all, they're a work in progress. And I think right now, many months later, both of those hold true and are as big a reason as any for why Penn State will not be in the college football playoff or near contention for the last three weeks of the season. Penn State's still not blocking Kevin Givens or much of anything else. Uh, you know, they, they, they've been worse than they were against Michigan State. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I don't think it was the offensive line that, that really was the uh, the main reason for them slipping. Um, of course, the, the, the delay didn't help, uh, but Michigan State lived through it as well. Uh, coming out of it, that's that's a tough one to swallow. That's a, that's a game they got to win. I mean, I think it, it traces not only back to... Saturday, but Ohio State. And we broke that down. I don't want to get bogged down in offensive line discussion as much as I let out with it, but I think the point stands because this game was lost, as was the one against Buckeyes in the trenches. And it's just a matter of being able to provide some space for the best player in the country. And while Barkley's been limited as he has, now only one 100-yard rushing game in the last five kickoffs. Like, this this has been a Heisman favorite for the better part of the season, and they're not able to establish a running game. And you look at Trace, throws for more than 400 yards. This should have been a win. It wasn't. They had many other mistakes, but for two weeks in a row, you, you've got to get it done in the trenches, and particularly a game like that where it rained and you had all just horrible weather all around. James Franklin said after the game that they're playing like a finesse team. They're not beating anybody up, and you know he's been saying that for a year and a half. I mean, the, with all the success that they've had, this isn't a team that's moved people. This isn't a team that, that's blown people off the ball, gotten that extra yard when they needed to, and they've gotten some breaks here and there, but they, they just haven't pushed people around, and that doesn't have to be Penn State football anymore. I know a lot of people want it to be Penn State football, but at some time you got to pick up that yard, and they just they haven't done it. They've been the worst team in the country, and that's you know the advanced metric speaking, not just the eye test in terms of short yardage, stuff rate, things of that nature. And again, when I was sitting down with Lime Grover in March, I said, okay, if, there, if there's one th- thing fans can look to to say we know the offensive line is succeeding because X. He said very simply, we're winning our one-on-one blocks because Penn State only accounts for six players in the box with. A, you know, a player with with its blocks essentially. If anyone else croaches into the box, a seventh or eighth player, they apply a tag or an RPO or a different route concept to get them out of there or capitalize in the space they've left behind. So when you look at this offense, they're just simply not sustaining and straining those blocks, and that's really what it comes down to. You've had injuries, you've had players shuffle around. You know, I think you've got to give credit to Will Fries what he did against the Spartans, but you know, overall, it, it's just a, a disappointment. I think if you're Penn State. Um, I said I didn't want to get bogged down, so I'll move on quickly now. We know what happened. We'll get more into that later. But what is left ultimately now for this team? Because in my mind, there's still plenty to play for the last three games. Yeah, it's it's funny. After two losses, a lot of people jumping ship and just, you know, everything's gone. It's over, whatever. I mean, this still can be a 10-win ball club. It should be a 10-win ball club with what's coming up uh, in the next three weeks for Penn State. But, yeah, I mean, you, you got a Florida Bowl game probably coming and, unless you get bumped to the Holiday Bowl. But, uh, you know, we're talking about 
a two loss team like it's a 500 team right now. I mean, yeah. that's where the expectations are. And we've talked about this before. The expectations got so high so fast based on what they were able to do last season that, you know, it's crazy to think where we were a couple of years ago talking about Penn State football and where we're at now. It's just a, it's, it's quite a jump, but, uh, it's still looking at that, uh, you know, the Capital One, Citrus Bowl, whatever, Outback Bowls there. Uh, it might slip to the Holiday Bowl. And, or or you, have a, you have a shot to sneak into the New Year's Six. I mean, the, it, it's not, you know, it's not a line for that to happen. But you saw what happened this weekend in college football. Anything, you know, anything could, could happen ahead of Penn State in those rankings. And the other thing is the 10-win season. I mean, I asked Deshaun Hamilton, Tyrell Chavis, other players outright after the game. I okay, you know, your big picture goals are pretty much out the window. So what's left? And they had said, well, honestly, heart. Our pride. And for a guy like Hamilton, who's now in his fifth year in the program, he's aware of the history they've gone through recently. But also, before that, they've only had back-to-back 10-win seasons twice since Penn State joined the Big Ten in 93. Good stat. The last time they did it was 09 and 08. And, you know, for, for guys who grew up watching Penn State football, I mean, they know what the significance will be in establishing that continuity of greatness that they want to get back to. You know, that starts even though you, your larger goals are out the window of just saying, listen, we want 10 wins. We want 10 games in back-to-back seasons. You know, forget recent Penn State history. Not many programs in the country can say that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking uh, Capital One Bowl or, or I guess it's back to the Citrus Bowl or whatnot and, and, and out back. And that's... You not really a want to go to Florida. I love the Outback Bowl, but that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. That's not where the expectations are set, and and I get that. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's better than Tax Slayer Bowl, better than Jacksonville. Okay. Now the reason we're in this place, we already mentioned the offensive line. I think the biggest takeaway I had from Saturday again at Michigan State, a game that you know, it, the, in my mind, they hadn't done enough to win it or, or pull away. But until that fourth quarter, they also hadn't done enough to lose the game, which might sound generic, but you look at where most of their penalties fell, it was in that fourth quarter. You look at the offense, you had an interception in one drive, then a turnover on downs in Michigan State territory ends the other, and no defensive plays that were made. I mean, Amani Oruaria's interception was tapped back into play by the intended target, God knows why. But then you look at their tackles for loss, just four for the entire game. You're not getting into the backfield, you're not getting your hands on passes, Lorky tears you apart, has a great game. But the hallmarks of this program, fourth quarter offense coming back, you know, discipline with the penalties, and then just the right play and the right time defensively were all gone in East Lansing, and that's why they left with a loss. I, I don't want to overplay missing a guy like Chris Godwin, but you're missing that instinct where, you know, he was the guy that would go out and make that play, and, and you're missing Brandon Bell, the guy that would go out and make that play. Penn State just didn't have that. Um, it, they were in a position to do so. I mean, they went with the Z slant, which they went against uh, Iowa on the fourth down. It worked then. It should have worked on Saturday. DeAndre Tompkins has to catch that ball, and then you've got a veteran like Marcus Allen getting that late uh, late hit penalty on the quarterback uh, when, when, when it should have been fourth down I mean the the, (laughs) hey you can talk coaching all you want those guys were in position to make the plays they didn't do it and 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 to me that's that's the hallmark of this game right and it's execution you know if you read defensive tail the tape out Monday morning that's a lot of what I talk about is there were so many little things from the get-go where they were just a little bit off you know if you're a defensive end as James alluded to in the press conference that you have this blitz where multiple linebackers are coming in well that's great if they can get there but then if the back leaks out it's the defensive end's responsibility to peel off of his rush and go cover him that didn't happen on multiple occasions you see poor angles or leverage just to step off that results in a touchdown or big gain for Michigan State I mean they had five conversions on third down and 10 or longer out of 10 
opportunities. Yeah. That, that just shouldn't happen. Mich- Michigan and, State's receivers went out and made the plays. Penn State's did not. Right. And again, that comes down to execution. You can talk about blitzes and whatever you want, but you know, when the chips are down, Penn State was out time and again, and it wasn't due to some catastrophic mistakes. But again, they, they didn't make the plays. They didn't have anyone step up, and then eventually they stepped down um, when, when they needed to at least hold on for a time. It didn't happen. So, you know, right now, 7-2, um, 4-2 in the Big Ten, winnable games the rest of the way. They're huge favorites against Rutgers. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but let's wrap up Michigan State talk uh, with a game ball before we get to recruiting, predict the presser, uh, and then the Scarlet Knights. So I, I went with Kevin Givens. Um, you know, we, <laughs> shocker for people who have been listening to the pod for a long time, but I talked last week about his need to play a defensive end, play a lot of snaps. He set a career high, 51. He was in the backfield quite often from that spot, you know, held his own against the run, which is, you know, a little bit more difficult from the defensive tackle spot where he's a little bit lighter than the guards and centers he's going up against. But I think in this spot that he was placed, he performed well. And given that he played longer than he ever had before, um, you know, you really got to give him props, even though, again, the, the pass rush led by him and others didn't didn't get home. This defense really misses Ryan Buckholz and Torrance Brown to an extension as well. But yeah. Buckholz was that guy that, you know, could do a lot of everything. Uh, Givens, you know, doesn't have the length, uh, but still, I thought he played a very good game. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Givens was a, a guy that if you're looking for a standout, and Penn State's coaches don't do their, their players of the week or whatever after losses, well, you know, we do, but I thought Givens was deserving as anyone. I think that's a good pick. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, I mean, he's just been a guy that they turned to, and, and and they went to that fourth down on that on that slant to Tompkins, and, you know, you, you're going to second-guess that all day long, no doubt about it, but Hamilton's been their most... Uh, consistent guy he had the one drop but but really he was just uh you know as consistent as any receiver you've been he's just not as explosive as a guy like godwin from last year where's so. the second guessing coming in there <laughs> i don't know i haven't been no, i'm genuinely much. curious like just about the slant to Tompkins. Just, no i like the play call i mean i, I think oh, okay. I, i'm saying you can you can second guess where you're like going. something bad happens you know, and everyone wants to go oh exactly. that was the wrong thing I exactly and like okay. i said i the, they put them in the position to make it happen they just didn't do it i i like the play call um but i'm saying do you question, you know, not going to Barkley, going to Hamilton, somebody that's you know, been around Gesicki, jumping over people or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, um, I, I, it's more of a second guess. So what, what if type thing? Uh, I, I like I said, I like the slant call. So uh, Hamilton has been good, um, you know, has moved up the record books uh, throughout the season, uh, bounced back very well. And I think that's, uh, you know, a, a tip of the hat to him. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for positives, not many. I mean, it's it's seven and two right now. When you're thinking you could be eight and one, nine and zero, oh, a couple plays away, uh, so it's deflating from that aspect. But yeah, we'll go with Hamilton and Gibson. Yeah, I think. And again, you talk about positives. The wide receivers, Hamilton and Tompkins, both over 100 yards, both had a touchdown. Um, Juwan Johnson, not the best game for him. Blacknall also had a touchdown. And then the run defense. I mean, Michigan State's offense is, is built on its ground game. They're able to take that away. The problem was, I mean, Lewerke was excellent. Very good. And those issues they had in past defense, not only up front. I mean, they generated pressure. The problem was just physically taking him to the ground. Uh, and their blitzes didn't get home, which, again, I go in a lot more detail and tail of the tape, so I'll spare the uh, airtime here in the podcast. But Kevin Givens, Deshaun Hamilton, bright spots for Penn State. Tough loss. And recruiting. You know, we had a you had a feature about the head-to-head battles Michigan State and Penn State have had over the years. It wasn't a lengthy gallery. I don't think there's any direct impact from this game. Am I wrong? No, not really. Uh, Mike Mike Panasuk uh, was one of the guys we highlighted got hurt um, for Michigan State. But no, I mean, to, I don't think there's any big-time guys that, uh, that really made an impact. Um, I'm looking at this game, uh, and everyone wants to j- just 
jump overboard thinking it's going to cost them recruits or anything. It's not going to. Um, this is a situation where, you know, Penn State is losing, you know, two straight losses. Everybody's going to be upset, but in, in the grand scheme of things, they're still sitting pretty uh, pretty high up there. Number 13, I believe, in the coaches poll. Number 16 in the AP poll. Might have them reversed, but, uh, I mean, they're still still right up there, still the number four class in the country. And you look, you look who they lost to last week at Ohio State. They got pummeled on the road. I mean, this is not, you know, of course fans are going to jump off and, and go crazy. It's two losses loss. by four points. Right, right. Uh, it's it's not going to. Their last to, three by a total of seven points. Yeah, it's not going to cost them. I mean, you know, you're looking at that, that ranking and it's not number two. But, you know, you can deal with that. Penn State wins out. They they can, you know, step back into the fringe of that top ten and they'll be okay. Um, wrote an S zone on, on Friday. Penn State, very few ships left. Um, nothing uh, earth-shattering there, but Tyreek Smith, Micah Parsons, Jason Owe, still guys that are high priority. Um, Penn State's going to get Jason Owe on campus for the Nebraska game for an official visit. Um, Micah Parsons, depending on his schedule, will probably be back at some point. And, of course, Tyreek Smith coming back after the season. Yep. Um, you know, Penn State, better than fair shot at all three of those guys. Uh, I don't think they end up with all three. Um, you still got guys like Rasheed Walker, um, who, who's looking to come back for an unofficial visit uh, before the end of the season, then maybe take an official afterwards. I don't see him signing in December, so you know, not that the urgency isn't there, but you sure. know, you're looking at guys that are going to sign in December. So, um, and beyond that, Solomon Enos, uh, Penn State could use another receiver in this class. Um, it doesn't seem like it because they've got two committed. Um, Justin Shorter and Daniel George that will be here next year. Shaquan Anderson Butts probably won't be on the roster next year. Um, probably going to prep for Juco or something like that uh, with the academic situation he's in. Solomon Enos going to come in for an official visit for the Nebraska game uh, we reported last week. So there's still plenty of uh, working pieces there uh, for the 2018 class. Not a lot of spots to play with. I mean, they're going to have to find room if they want to take some of these guys. Yeah. But, you know, Penn State trying to fill out up front on both sides of the ball. And, you know, if you watch them in the last two weeks, that's what you needed. You know, and honestly, if there is a silver lining there, you say, listen, we could use you. And they've been saying that the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And, and absolutely it's true. Um, and they will play young defensive linemen, uh, young offensive linemen, of course. You know, they played Connor McGovern as a freshman last year, so the opportunity is there. But you want to you want a redshirt offensive lineman if you can. Yeah. Um, but defensive lineman, yeah, the opportunity is there. You've got a couple of redshirt freshman defensive ends playing uh, quality snaps right now. Of course, Kevin Givens played redshirt freshman last year, so... The opportunities there, uh, Yitor Gross-Matos played uh, you know, a handful on Saturday night as well as a true freshman. So the opportunities there, the impact maybe isn't you know, at some other positions. You look at receiver, maybe running back, where a true freshman can come in and, and, and do some damage, uh, at least on the stat line. Yeah. Defensive line is, is probably not going to happen. You need some time in the weight room. But Unless it's situational time. like we've seen with Sean yeah, and Tony. Yeah, and... absolutely. And, and I think uh, Gross-Matos has played fairly well for what he's been asked to do. Um, you know, the future is still uh, really bright in my eyes for him. Uh, but, yeah, these these guys, you can ease them in. You're better off. But you, you can throw a guy like, uh, you know, like Parsons out there and let him do some things as a freshman. So uh, I think that opportunity is certainly there. You brought a redshirt freshman offensive lineman or freshman redshirting in the offensive line. Proud of you. There was no Mike Brand to mention, and the opportunity was there. Nothing against Mike Brand, of course. Very good player, but you know you, you've had a habit. You kicked it, and you know we should celebrate that. Bit my bit my tongue three times on that <laughs> during that rant. Yeah, good. Well, uh, moving on from recruiting, predict the presser. Uh, I caught up to you last week, and you went with what you called a cop out, saying that James is going to announce. We just want to go one to know this week after the loss to Ohio State. 
get back to basics. It turns out that's exactly what they're going to say this week because that is what he hammered home in the postgame presser. And frankly, you know, I, I agree with him. You know, you, you kind of got that sense again on the field of this is not the team we had seen. They're committing penalties. They're not coming through when it matters most. And they're not making plays in the key spots defensively to keep themselves afloat that probably stem from some sort of change off the field. And in his eyes, they had been affected by the noise. So that is off the table because we are going to hear one and know this week. However, I'm going to go back to another old James favorite of Rutgers, 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 Rutgers. There will be at least seven Rutgers in a row on Tuesday when we meet with him. That's a lot of Rutgers. Rutgers. Yeah, that's that's my, and we're tied 16 out of 25 right now. So 16, 16, I'm going to go ahead to 17 with that. Are you going to keep pace with anything? I think so. Uh, Janarian Grant is Rutgers' biggest playmaker uh, on special teams, offense. Um, he's He's been a guy that's been phenomenal for them at times, hurt at others. You know, the the way that Penn State has made special teams such a priority over the last couple of years, Janarian Grant's going to get a bunch of mention, and he should. I mean, he's, he's a dynamic player. Rutgers doesn't have a ton of them, but uh, he's a dynamic player that can really do some damage. And in this type of game where, you know, Penn State's favored by, what, four touchdowns or something like that, um, you know, he's a guy that you, that you want to keep the ball away from because, you know, it, it only takes one or two snaps for him to, to do some damage. Yep, returns punts. Kicks, his receiving numbers are down a little bit, but again, you look at that talent just on tape. I think obviously teams want to take him away. Their passing game has been one of the worst in the country, um, but he's a guy you just can't let break loose because yeah. he can take it to the house. Yeah, I think I saw him take some direct snaps as well last week, um, or Wildcat. I don't know what you would call it. Um, but yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. Everyone's going to call what they want anyway. <laughs> but no, he's an electric player. Um, you know, probably a guy that can play at the pro level. Um, as we mentioned, Rutgers doesn't have a, a ton of those guys, but he's he's. By far the biggest threat in my mind. Okay. Gonna, we're going to hear about him a lot this week. All right. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. Uh, what happens on Saturday? You mentioned it. 28.5 point underdogs. The Scarlet Knights are in the first line that we've seen. That's likely to change. You look at them this year, very different story. I mean, they had an influx of grad transfers. Bonnie's coming into the program. Freshmen were able to start. Played Washington close. I remember watching that in the opener going, who the hell is this? You know, in, in red. Um, but they kept it close. Since then, they've had three Big Ten wins. They've beaten Purdue, Illinois, and most recently Maryland in Piscataway last weekend. So they're four and five. They're not going to be bowl eligible, provided some sort of you know huge upset down yeah, they the stretch. Penn State and Michigan State left. Yeah, on this yeah it's just it's just not going to happen. But they're a decent rushing team. Um, you know, they're poor in short yardage, just like Penn State. They, they do a decent job in the return game. We mentioned engineering Grant. And they performed well defensively in obvious passing situations. So you take some elements in all three of those phases and they're able to kind of stay afloat. They were competitive in the second half against Michigan, only down 28-14 to 14 going into the fourth quarter. Um, but again, a team that Penn State not only should beat, they should beat thoroughly. And particularly given where they've been, you know, Penn State's focus isn't going to be so much on the Scarlet Knights. I mean, they're going to be prepared. But this is, we need to do what we have rooted our offense and our defense in and execute that just by bullying them, and being better blocking and tackling and scoring touchdowns. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of self-scouting this week, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of work on, from the inside. I mean, it, it's definitely a situation where Penn State has to improve, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to overlook Rutgers or anything like that, but Penn State, you know, had their way with them last season in a blizzard with lightning behind it or whatever it was uh, in Piscataway. Um, so you, you don't want to overlook them, but at the same time, this is a lot of reflection how good you can get this football team. Three games left, three very, very, very winnable games left. Um, so I, I think that's what it goes back to. Rutgers is a team that, you know, I don't think it's going to it's gonna kill you. Penn State, 
you know, sort of was in neutral for most of the game last season um, and still was overly successful, as was most of the Big Ten. So, you know, a game Penn State should win comfortably. Uh, you want to see them hitting on all cylinders. You know, it's, it's a confidence game. If you want to start moving people, this is where it has to start if you're Penn State. Right. This is Rutgers week, but it's not about Rutgers in the slightest. I mean, we're, all the reporting I'll give you a look ahead is going to be what Penn State's attitude is what they're going to be able to do bouncing back after Michigan State, and then hearing all these boring storylines because James told us, listen, interviews are not going to be good in the next few weeks. And again, he, you know, he's emotional coming off the loss and just really wants to get back to their formula. But again, this is Rutgers week in name only. It doesn't matter who they were going to play on Saturday. Um, they're focused on themselves and, and what they can do to get to the best version of themselves, which we have not seen, not seen. since they were last at Beaver Stadium beating Michigan 42-13. to 13. Yeah, and you mentioned in, in your post-game column, which I did read, by the way, oh, um, you. you know, Penn State got away from what they've done. And, and that's it, that was so blatantly obvious just watching the game the other day. And they don't drop those balls. They don't. You know, they just got out of that, you know, that that line that they've been in for the last 12 months. And it's it's been almost 12 months since they haven't been in the top 10 of the AP poll, by the way, which blew my mind uh, when I wrote that earlier today. But yeah, Penn State got away from who they were. Um, Saquon Barkley is falling in the Heisman race. Uh, of course, Baker Mayfield was phenomenal in the Bedlam, the Bedlam game the other night. But yeah, just gotten away from what they do so well. And it, it's really cost them. Question. Yes. Is it time for Tommy Stevens? Before you answer, no. Stop asking this. Anyone on Twitter, on the boards. Tommy Stevens is a good player. Trace McSorley has been better, is better, and does not deserve a criticism after games like this. This was only his third multi-interception game of his Penn State career, a game in which he also broke the program record for career touchdowns. He's done that in less than two seasons. But what about the intermediate throws? Stop it. Man, I crush that guy. I wake up and just dealing in advanced stats about where he's completing passes. I mean, you want to talk about deep throws? He's on the same target as he was a year ago. He's improved markedly in throws between 10 and 19 yards. You can go on my Twitter feed and find it. But ultimately, Trace is not even close to the problem. I understand there's additional focus and criticism when it comes to the quarterback position, just as there is praise when they succeed. But stop it. <laughs> wow. Next question. Did you have that rant written down? Because that was, that was you, pretty good. You know I do not. Uh, well, no, I, I agree with you. Um, Trace, not the problem. Trace needs to improve, no doubt about it. Um, his, his he can foot, be better. I'm he not can saying be better. he's perfect. Yeah, but, his, you know, you his, start, we, we open with the offensive line because the running game is gone. You yeah. have the best player in the country who's only rushed for more than 100 yards once in his last five games. Mm -hmm. And that was buoyed by a 69-yard run out of the gates. Mm -hmm. And since then, Michigan held them under. Mm -hmm. I'm, yep. I'm not reading again. Yep. I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> you are more fired about fired up about this than I am, but uh, you got that extra hour of sleep, so that's good. Um, no, I, I agree. Uh, Trace is the guy. You, you ride him from here on out. little surprised we didn't see Tommy again this week, but... You know that's uh, that's part of it. So I mean, yeah, gotta stop guaranteeing that. You really should. <laughs> You're terrible. At that. You should lose predictive there pressure was, points was, for that. <laughs> there was there was one wrinkle though, which we um, it's gonna come off as tooting my own horn. But the the Barkley pass, that'd be a first. Yeah, yeah, it never happens. Uh, <laughs> in case you missed it, I, I wrote all these things. Um, the Barkley pass, a wrinkle, hadn't seen that. The play right. they had run, but it's it's exactly the same play that they've run before, and most notably against Ohio State last year, where you have that same run design, but of course, instead of Barkley throwing it, it was Trace. And that was, you know, happened to be an RPI broke down in June, where we're just trying to kill time until kickoff. Um, so that was nice to have there. But, but, you know, my guarantee of wrinkles happened with that play. We hadn't seen it before. Tommy Stevens, though, um, you know, is somewhere on a milk carton. 
And I do you think he comes back? Because I'm not going to offer my opinion because clearly that's worthless. Well, clearly, based on your guarantees, uh, yeah, you have been. But no, I think we see Stevens this week, but I don't think it's at a meaningful juncture. Um, you know, I think Penn State should roll. And if they do, if they take care of what they need to take care of, um, you'll see Stevens. But I don't know that, it, you know, they'll probably have that first offensive line out this week like they've done um, or earlier this season, but no, I, I, I don't see them turning to him in any sort of situation that, where the game's on the line. I mean, I just don't see it. Two quarterback package. Haven't seen it since Northwestern. Um, tiebreakers in the Big Ten. A Penn State outside, outside shot right now, but, uh, you know, anything can happen. We saw that this week uh, in a couple of places uh, all over the country. So, so what do you think? Don't get the people's hopes up. I'm, it is not going to happen. I've done the research, and it's true. There's an outside shot. That outside shot is on the other side of planet Earth. Here's what needs to happen for Penn State to get to the Big Ten title game. They need a two-way tie with Michigan because Penn State loses a three-way tie with Ohio State and Michigan, a three-way tie with Ohio State and Michigan State, and a three-way tie with Michigan State and Michigan. Now, the two-way tie with Michigan means that Michigan State, are you still with me? Barely, but okay. okay. All right, we'll, we'll move on without you. Um, Michigan State must lose two out of three, but beat Ohio State. So the Spartans' other two games are against Maryland and Rutgers. Imagine them beating Ohio State on the road and then losing to Maryland and Rutgers. Okay, let's say that happens anyway. Michigan must win out. That means beating Ohio State and Wisconsin. On top of that, after Ohio State uh, loses to Michigan, or before they lose to Michigan, they have to lose to Illinois, and that's after beating Michigan State. You still with me? No, you're not. Okay. This is like the Oregon Trail, and we left you behind because you caught dysentery. And there you go, caught in this confusion. Because bottom line is Penn State is not making the Big Ten title game. Everyone knew that, but there it is, laid out, very uh, tied up in knots. And ultimately, I mean, you put this at point zero 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 one. Percent chance. Yeah, I, I don't see anyone holding on to the rooms for Indy right now. I mean, it's the, a lot has to happen, and a lot of perfect things have to fall in line. It's just, I, it's not going to happen. I'd save your money for Florida, I guess. Yeah, and the reason they lose a three-way tie in any combination with Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State is because you've got your records against one another as the immediate tiebreaker. So in that instance, they're all 7-2. and two. Right. The one after that is your intra-division record. Now, Ohio State is only, in this scenario, would only have one loss against the Big Ten East team because they most recently lost to Iowa, who's, of course, in the West. All right? Yeah, so they benefit from losing to Iowa in terms of in this situation. Right, whereas Penn State has lost to Ohio State and Michigan State, and then if they're tied at 7-2 with Michigan and Michigan State, well, Michigan State has defeated both Michigan and Penn State and then would go via the first tiebreaker of your records against one another. Ugh. Anyway, let's get back to football. <laughs> You might actually have a headache. Uh, biggest concern for you right now, uh, lack of quarterback pressures, uh, rushing attack, or secondary? Mine is rushing attack. I mean, I led with the offensive line. I think it's a very purposeful uh, opening because, again, you have the best player in the country back there. And it's just a matter of winning your one-on-one blocks. You know, there's a little bit more to it in terms of handling how teams are slanting their lines and changing up based on Penn State's tight end alignment or their, their back alignment. Um, but but really, it just comes down to freeing Barkley, and that means you know half of the offense, these five offensive linemen, doing their jobs. And, and so far, teams have been getting the better of them. It's a credit to Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, all very good run defenses. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you look back at last season, they saw good run defenses, and they were able to succeed in spite of that. They haven't so far this season. And the secondary in, in the pressure, you know, on, in a bigger sample, 
have been better than the running game this year. So a couple of bad games, I'm going to excuse them. I think Grant Haley and Christian Cable bounce back. And again, considering the, the, the teams they have left ahead of them, you know, none of them are good passing teams. In fact, they're all below average passing teams. So those should should rise back to where they were. But the running game, we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it starts and ends with the offensive line, no doubt about it. They miss Ryan Bates, and not because Will Fries can't play left tackle. I thought Will Fries played, you know, a, a decent job uh, or did a decent job on Saturday. And, uh, you know, if they throw him in there, he'll be fine. Chaz Wright, I mean, he's he does not look like the player that we saw at the end of last year. Not that he blew the doors off of anyone, but, I mean, he just... He's struggling, man. So um, Ryan Bates, uh, big deal uh, for Penn State, uh, for the running game, for for anything, really. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, the running game, no doubt. The secondary, not as worried, but I I, I tie that into the lack of quarterback pressure. I mean, you're not getting home. These guys have to cover longer, and, and you know, they're they're not making the plays because they're not in position because they're trying to cover longer. Christian Campbell, I think, needs new spikes, by the way. He slipped in pretty much every game this season. Really poor Um, game for him. But, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, Penn State's uh, running game, that's, that's where it's going to come down to being a 10-2 and team versus a 12-0 and versus an 11-1 team. And, you know, we're left here to second guess. Yeah, it's a fine line. Always is in college football. It's partly what's celebrated. And then also when you're on the wrong end of it, you know, really lament it. But there still will be football, at least four more games for Penn State. Lots more to unfold. And I think, you know, again, you blow the doors off of Rutgers. It doesn't mean much in the big picture to a degree it was expected. But, you know, when you haven't seen a performance that looks like Penn State in what will have been three weeks, I think it'll be a welcome sight. Um, and again, they struggle, man. This is a uh, slippery slope they're on. But, but I, you know, for all intents and purposes, we'll break down that game more on Friday. It's a good time to hit this part of the schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think they get a big win, you know, even with the, the four-touchdown spread. I mean, they're, they're going to pour it on because they want to get back to who they are, and they have not been that team, you know, since the last time they were home. So time for some home cooking to do them some good. Yeah, absolutely. No rain in the forecast as of right now. Uh, knock on the wood. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a game that they should go out and blow the doors off them, boat race them, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. So uh, we'll be back to talk about it later this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. I know our listenership isn't as high after losses as the stats showed last week. So uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, hope to see you on Friday. <laughs>